Hello, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast in this week's adult Bible study that takes us in our But God series to Jonah chapter number four. In Jonah chapter four, we find a pouting prophet. And we see something interesting that God does and how it's just the whole chapter of how God interacts with this pouting prophet is amazing to me. And I think it'd be a help to you. So that's this week's study. I do want to give one quick follow-up. If you listen to my podcast earlier in the week, the regular Pulpit to Pew podcast, if you happen to listen to that, at the very end in the rambling section, I asked prayer for uh, a young man that, uh, I say, you say young man, 43 years old, that was a part of the church that I once was the assistant pastor at in Michigan. He had went into a fire after an explosion at his house to rescue his four-year-old daughter and had burns on, ended up being 70% of his body. And I said at the end of the podcast last week that I, that they thought um, things were going well. Uh, he was in a induced coma but they thought things were going well. But unfortunately, on Friday night and Saturday morning, things took a turn for the worse, and he did pass away on Saturday morning. So if you would pray for his wife, Jessica, and for his three young children, we're thankful that the the young girl that he went in to, to rescue, she's fine. She simply had a scratch. He was able to get her out without any uh, damage. And um, he gave his life for his daughter. And so what What a, there's no other example, um, anything more Christ-like than what he did. And um, so their names are the Jeroshas, uh, Jessica Jerosha. If you would pray for them, I know that they would really appreciate it. So without further ado, and on that I know heavy note, let's let's talk about the love of God for some people, just like this young this man had love for his daughter. And let's talk about the love of God for his people And uh, we're going to be in Jonah chapter number four. Thank you for listening this week to the podcast. Let's go to Jonah chapter four today. Lesson eight in our series of But God. We're going to go to Jonah. It's one of the minor prophets. So we're all going to take our time getting there. Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. There it is. All right, we're in chapter four. We're skipping some. We're getting to our to our phrase, and I'm going to read that phrase. We're going to. I'm just going to read it when we get there this time. I'm not going to read it beforehand. I'm going to read it when we get there. But let's talk about Jonah for a second. There are when you study Jonah, there are some astonishing things that happen in the book of Jonah. There's one obvious one. That I will let someone get the obvious one in a second, but I think there are a few other astonishing things that happen in the story of Jonah. So let's just stop for a second and think about it. Think about your the, what you know about the story of Jonah. What are some things that we would say are astonishing? And God lets the softball. Who wants the softball first one? All right, someone can take it. But if maybe you want to go a little deeper, you want to think, I don't want the softball one, I want something else. What are some astonishing things that would happen in the story of Jonah? Oh yeah, this is great. I love these awkward moments. Every introvert in here right now is like sweating. All right, let's just throw this, let's throw the softball and no one want to take it. He got swallowed by a great fish or a whale, right? That would be pretty astonishing. 
and that God used that to get his attention and that he survived it. And they, Well, I know it's debated. Some think he didn't survive it. I think he did. But, uh, he did pray to God in the belly there, and then he was spit out. I mean, that's pretty astonishing. That's pretty neat. But maybe on a little bit lesser level, there's some other things. Did that trigger anything? What's that? Ooh, you're already jumping to my story today. All right, we're going to get back to the worm. All right, we're going to get back to that. I didn't know, John, you were going to go right to my story today. All right, I thought that was the last one, and here comes John with that one. We're going to get to that one. Very good. How about It is astonishing that a prophet who knew God would try to attempt to run from the presence of God. That is, that's pretty astonishing to me. I mean, you know God. You're a prophet of God. That's a big thing. You don't read about Isaiah running from God, the presence of God. He, wasn't, he, he was falling at the presence of God because he said, God, you are holy. I am an unclean man. But you got Jonah who ran from the presence of God. So I think that's pretty astonishing. I think that it's astonishing that God would pursue Jonah and use a storm. He would use the religious uh, fervor of these heathen sailors to really awaken Jonah's conscience. Because remember when he was running, they were trying to figure out casting lots, figured out whatever they could. How? What, why is this storm happening? And then Jonah's conscience, he said, that's oh, because of me. And he admitted, he said, I'm running from God. So I think that's kind of astonishing. Uh, we obviously talked about the whale already. I think it's astonishing that Jonah would preach and the entire city of Nineveh from the king down is brought to their knees and they all repent. I think that's pretty astonishing that God would even give Jonah a second chance. Just move on, go to someone else. But God gave him a second chance and in that second chance, that entire city repented. Some say there's one of the largest cities back then and the entire city repented. That's pretty astonishing. But I think the fourth one comes in chapter 4, which is where we're going to be today. And I want us to just kind of walk down through this passage today and, and, and read about it. Because if you know this story, if you don't, I've tried, that's, that was a quick way to review. But Jonah did eventually get to Nineveh. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. He hated the people in Nineveh. The Ninevites, Ninevites, is that right? They were wicked people. You came to their land, they didn't like you, they would skin you alive, take your flesh, and they would hang it on their, their walls so that the next person that tried to come would see that you don't come. They would possibly take your head, put it on a pole, and put it up as well. So it wasn't a very inviting city, it doesn't sound like to me, um, to outsiders. Wicked people. And so God came, one of our astonishing things, and he says, I want this people to know about me. And so he tells Jonah, I want you to go preach to these people. And Jonah does not want to go. And he got angry. And so some, some wonder about this anger because when he, when he did get, let's just say he did eventually get there after the whale spit him up or the great fish spit him up and he and he did eventually get there, and he did preach, and the whole city repented. The whole city believed in Jehovah, so which is just absolutely amazing. Not even we can't even get all of Cunot to come to church. Imagine all of a large city of Nineveh, pretty amazing. But then in chapter four, verse one, this if the whole city just got saved, and you're a prophet, 
Chapter 4, verse 1 is interesting because it says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. Now, I've illustrated this with children before, and I think I did it at Vacation Bible School recently, but just imagine Dad today, this morning, our pastor, our dad, my dad. Just imagine him up there preaching today, and during the invitation, he calls for someone to come down, and there's someone in the church that's not saved, and they come to the front, and maybe Dad steps down, because sometimes if you're not saved and he doesn't know if you're saved, and you come forward and you give him eye contact, he's going to come down. So he comes down. Imagine they whisper to him, I want to be saved. Then all of a sudden we hear him go, no, 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 come on. You don't want to be saved. Imagine all of us heard it through his microphone. That person said, I want to be saved. And then you just see him go, oh, great. I knew it. I knew it. I was going to preach the gospel today. I just knew you were going to want to be saved. This is absolutely terrible. This is not what I want. All of us would be like, what is going on? I'm sure my brother would already be in a, him and Matthew would be in a beeline to tackle dad and get him out of here. We'd vote in the next few minutes and just get him out of the church because we'd be like, what do you, somebody wants to be saved and you're complaining, you're whining about it. It wouldn't make sense over one person, let alone if the whole town Let's just, just use QNOT for a second. If everybody from QNOT, all 15 people from QNOT, came and said, we want to be saved, we want to be baptized. Now, he may get tired of baptizing people after a while, and he may get tired of that, but, man, we're going to be all rejoicing. Some of us may be like, can we at least order in some food or something? Because we're past that noon. We have to be out at noon to go eat. So can we at least order food? But I'm rejoicing still. I'm excited. But a whole city repented. And it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. And I was trying to study a little bit this week and figure out why was he so angry. I just, I, I just don't get it. And some say that it was his patriotism, his, his nationalistic, this is what one person said, real smart, nationalistic spirit that it, he was maybe a true patriot to Israel. And, and because Nineveh was an enemy, he... He was upset, but I, I don't know because, you know, a prophet of God, you want people to know your God. That's kind of your whole thing. So I don't know that it was that. And other other people would, uh, he would probably reach out to other people. So I don't know if it was necessarily that. Some say it was a deep-seated hatred or racism against the people of Assyria. And I don't know, but some thought it was selfishness. Because of Joseph, some think it was very selfish because everything today you're going to see selfishness all in Jonah. But some think that maybe because if he goes and he preaches to an, an enemy nation and they repent and they get saved, he goes back to his people and they, they're going to be upset because why would you go to them? They don't deserve it. They are heathen. And so maybe, some thought maybe he was, very, he was concerned about that. He was selfish or some think maybe he was just stingy with God's grace. I really don't know. And the Bible doesn't tell us, but... It is a little bit crazy to think that a prophet is angry that a whole nation turned to God, repented. It's crazy. But to his credit, in verse 2, it says, And he, Jonah, prayed unto the Lord. So even though he's mad, at least he comes to God here. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Now notice his prayer, though. I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore, I fled before to Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee 
of the evil. So, I mean, he's dead on about God, but he's saying it in a very negative way. He said, God, I just, I knew it. I told you back there. That's the reason I went to Tarshish because I knew you are a gracious God. You're a long-suffering God. I mean, all of us would be sitting there going, that's all good. Because I just knew it. I knew you were going to. So I'm glad he's got faith in God. I mean, he's obviously got faith in God. He knew the work of God. He, uh, maybe we could argue and joke that he's got, he's got faith in his talents to preach to these people, but I highly doubt that because I think his message was the most monotone, negative-spirited message. I just can pre hear him preach to the God. All right, listen. God wants me to tell you this. He loves you. He's going to be sending the Messiah. He's... He's going to die for us one day, and if you will just believe that one day the Messiah is coming, you can go to heaven, and you can be a follower of Jehovah. And then I can just picture him with this, this like, the wor like the absolute worst speaking ability ever. Everything against 101 speaking, he's going against it. And I just picture him saying, all right, so right now, you know what? If you want to go to heaven, if you want to be a child of Jehovah, if you want to, if you want to put your faith in the coming Messiah... Just stand up and just everybody, 30,000 people stand up. And I just picture him going, great. I just knew this was going to happen. And probably calls in his assistant, go deal with these people. I mean, it's just absolutely the worst message is how I picture it. We'll watch the DVD when we get to heaven. But that's how I picture it. But he just had such a frustration with these people. And he was so mad here in verse 2. He said, God, I just knew you were going to do this. I just knew you were going to do this. Why would you do this? Verse 3, therefore now, O Lord, here's what he says. Here's, here's his pity party. Take, I beseech thee, my life from me. Just kill me. For it is better for me to die than to live. He said, just kill me, God. I just, I'm ready to go. You know what? This is terrible. 30,000 people or whatever got saved. Just kill me. You know, imagine dad there today. One person gets saved. He's like, great. Just kill me. You know what? I knew it. We got people getting saved here. Things are actually happening. Just kill me. It makes no sense. He's just throwing a fit here. But he said, just kill me. And it sounds a lot like Elijah. Didn't Elijah do the similar thing? Remember Elijah said, just kill me, sit down by the tree. But, but I was kind of looking through these quickly, and there's, there's a little bit of a difference between when Elijah sat by that juniper tree and said, just let me die. There's a difference between that and this prophet, because Elijah, he wasn't upset over the grace of God, but he was upset about the sin of his people. He said, the people's just in sin. Jonah's upset about the grace of God, that God was gracious. Elijah was upset because God's purposes were not being accomplished. Jonah was angry because it was being accomplished. Elijah was thinking about the people of God's cause. Jonah was thinking about himself. God fed Elijah, encouraged him, told him he was not alone, and sent him back to work. But God had another object lesson for Jonah, and that's what I'm going to get to here a little bit today. And so he said, just let me die. I just want to die. These people are getting saved. I knew God was going to do this. Just let me die. And then the Lord asked a very good question. Verse 4, then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? Is it doing you any good to be angry? That's a great question to have. In your, if you're an angry person by nature, and you're by nature, you're usually a worrier or an angry person. One of those two, depending on your personality. You can be both, but you're going to favor one or the other tendency. And if you're someone that tends to be an angry person, this is a good question to memorize. Is it doing you any good to be angry? And if you think about it, usually what follows our anger, especially if you're an explosive anger initially, 
Usually what follows are words that you can't take back that hurt or an action that hurts. And it doesn't do you any good. So he's asking him, is it really doing you good right now to be angry over, over what's going on? And notice what Jonah did in verse 5. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under the sh- under the, in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. So you can, but just if you kind of put yourself in the scene, if you put on your little, your little VR goggles and try to picture this Bible scene real quick, he was, they were all just saved. What happens when somebody gets saved? They're excited, right? But if somebody gets saved in a new, like some, let's say someone came forward again today and they got saved, they're going to be excited, but they don't know a lot of people at the church. So it's not like they're going to just be running around to everybody saying, oh, did you hear what happened to me? Because we all have that social awkwardness sometimes. So we're like, all right, I'm saved, I'm excited, but I don't know you people. So I'm just going to go back to my seat and stand there. And inside though, they're firing. But imagine if you're, Everybody in your city is saved. So you're all excited about the same thing. You're all rallying together. And so this city was probably celebrating. I imagine excitement and joy in the city. And Jonah was hating it. Remember his message. Remember his monotone, I think, depressive sermon that I think he preached. And now everybody's excited. And so he's like, I'm not even going to stay in the city. And he leaves outside on the east side of the city, it says, and he just sits down under there and he just sits and just pouts, just pouts. And this is where God does something interesting. I mean, when, when, when one of my kids just does this, it drives me insane, the pouting thing. Mariah, she's not as bad at it back there in the back, but, uh, but the pouting thing. So if I'm God, and I'm looking at my prophet over here, this prophet that I'm using, and he's pouting over thousands of people getting saved, I'm thinking about just taking him straight to heaven at this point, all right? Or just, I mean, if obviously it's a good thing I'm not God. But God comes to him, and he does something interesting. It says in verse number 6, And the Lord God prepared a gourd. Now, we don't use that phrase a lot. It's a plant. It's a large plant. So God prepared a gourd. That word prepared is the same one as uh, I think earlier when he says he prepared a great fish. So God is preparing. God is, it's interesting that a fish will obey God, a plant will obey God, but a human being, prophet of God, won't obey God. People will, the people repented and obeyed God's word, but not not the prophet. So the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head. To deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad for the gourd, for the plant. Now, what is ironic about this? I mean, God is going to do something to help out his pouting prophet? Why would God do that? Isn't God pretty long-suffering God? I mean, I think the answer to that, go back to verse 2. Because God is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, great kindness. God is everything that Jonah said, and now he's showing it in this plant. So here's the pouting prophet over here in the corner, and, and he's, but he's hot, and the sun's beating down on him, and, and, and he's trying to get under a little bit of shade. And so God just causes this plant to grow up over him. It's a larger plant to be shade for him. To the point to where he thought, ah, this is so nice. He's enjoying the benefits of God 
while pouting over the grace of God. That's who he is. And so, I mean, points could be made here about God's graciousness, but man, God is very long-suffering to this man who does not deserve it. And I would say this, God has been very long-suffering to, to the man you're looking at who doesn't deserve it. God's been very good to me. I'm sure there's been some times when I've pouted about what God has done, and God's been long-suffering to me. Has he not been to you as well? But then something happens, and it leads us to our but God phrase. I want you to think about this. So God has been very long-suffering. God has given him something to be of comfort to him. And then he takes it away. Watch. Look at this. So Jonah was exceeding glad for the gourd, but God prepared, there's that word again, a worm. So now a worm's listening to him as well. Prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. What are you doing, God? Just Sometimes I stop when I was reading this this week thinking, God, what are you doing? Why even make the gourd if you're just going to destroy it? Okay, so my but God thought here this week is sometimes why does God do things at times that hurt us? Because this was only, or seemingly hurt us, because this was only to get at Jonah because everything God has done so far has been gracious and long-suffering and you allowed him to go pout. You even gave him some shade to let him. And he was exceedingly glad. You finally got this pouting prophet to kind of smile a little bit. And then you just. Part of me inside is going, yes, finally, he got what he deserved. All right. That's part of me is like that. But God allowed this worm to destroy his happiness. And a lot of times in our lives, we think that there are these worms in our lives. They come in different forms that are destroying our happiness. And we think God's behind it. Now, in this case, God was behind it. And we're going to see why in a minute. But sometimes things seem to happen in our lives that hurt us. And God could stop it. I mean, God, you could have stopped this. You made the... The, the fish come, you made the gourd there, and now you made this worm, but you made it hurt him? Why would you do this, God? Well, the hurt had come into Jonah's life, in this case, to teach him a lesson. And a lot of times, the trials that we go through in life are to teach us lessons. There are some situations that we go through in life just because of sin. We're in a sin-cursed world, and bad, sinful people do sinful things. And God could stop everything, sure, but God allows some things to happen and will teach us and train us through that. And in this situation, God was specifically behind us. It says, but God prepared a worm. That worm obeyed him. The fish obeyed him. The plant obeyed him. A heathen nation obeyed him. But his prophet would not listen to him. And God was going to get his attention one way or another. And you know what? If you and I get to the point where we will not listen to God, We'd rather pout and be in our misery than listen to God. He will get your attention as well. So he got his attention here, and he prepared this worm. And, the, and it says in verse 8, And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared. Another, there's that word again. That word is he's ought to just underline it. I mean, it keeps coming up. Notice God prepared a vehement east wind. So now we have something else that's obeyed God. The wind, nature, it's obeying God. So he prepared this 
Vimana east wind, and the sun beat upon his head, the head of Jonah, that he fainted and wished himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. So now it seems like, all right, this God is pouring this all out on him. But God is trying to teach him a lesson here, very important lesson. And I think that there are times in our lives, not every time something bad happens, it doesn't mean that God's trying to teach you a lesson. You know, the house falls on Miranda's house. Or the, the house falls on Miranda's house. Very interesting. The tree falls on Miranda's house. That doesn't mean that God's up in heaven saying, all right, God. I don't think necessarily that God was trying to punish them for that. Maybe. I doubt it. But I don't think everything that happens. Remember that time when that tower fell in Luke 13, somewhere in there, and killed some people, and the disciples asked Jesus, who did sin? That this would happen. And Jesus said, no, 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 this, is, this wasn't because of sin. So I don't think that a house burns down in Michigan because of something God was trying to do, or a tree falls on a house. I don't think that's always a result. could be, but I don't think it's always a result. But I think everything that does happen, God wants to use it in our lives. So God wanted to use this in his life. And so verse 9, God comes back to Jonah, and, not, and God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? So now he says the same thing, but he adds something to it. He says, is it doing you any good to be angry over this plant? He says, and he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. <laughs> wow. So you, you, he kind of responds to God now. And he says, you know what? I, it is well that I'm angry over this plant. And I'd rather, I would die over it. Now, what is the irony right here? Anybody just want to say it? What are you thinking? Anybody thinking anything right now? He's willing to die and get angry over a plant, but let people die and go to hell. He doesn't, he doesn't care about the souls of people as a prophet, but he is broken over a gourd, a plant that was less than 24 hours old, and he's broken over it. Very materialistic, very, very selfish mindset. The plant did something for him. The plant gave him shade. The plant pleased him. The plant was very satisfying to him. Those, those Ninevites, they're not. They don't please him. They don't do him any good. They're nothing for him. Selfishly, they don't help him. That plant helped him. So he was more broken over a plant than he was people. I think sometimes in our lives, if we're not careful, we can get so focused on us, go focused on my materialistic world, that we, are more, we care more about the things of this world than we do the souls of people. That's a lesson he's trying to teach Jonah here. Because he said, he, he, Jonah's very broken over this, and he says, he says, I do well, even unto death. And verse 10, And then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored. You didn't labor to make it. Neither made it grow. You didn't make it grow. Which came up at night and perished in a night. And then in verse 11, he leaves, it, leaves the whole book like this. And should I not spare Nineveh? Don't, don't look at Nineveh as a city. Look at his people. He's saying, should I not spare people of Nineveh? That great city when the, wherein there are more than six score thousand purses, persons excuse me, that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand. And also much cattle. 
He said, why should I not spare this whole, this, this city, which has all of these people, and some, I think between not being able to discern between their right hand and their left. Have you guys heard some theories on that? Could be children, small children, can't discern. You'd ask, go up to, to Matthew's daughter, little, little girl. I can't even remember her name right now. My mind, faith, there it is. Faith, hope, joy, something like that. One of those, <laughs> I don't know, the next one's going to be love, joy, peace. I think they're going to go on, but but go up to faith today and say, hey, faith, my hand, faith. She's going to look at you like you're nuts because she has no idea what you're talking about. So maybe it's talking about children that are not able to discern the right hand and the left. And some, some go to this passage as one of the proof texts that show, in their opinion, that babies, in my opinion, when they die, they go to heaven. They're unable to discern right or left. They're unable to discern salvation and faith. And, and so God, in his mercy and compassion spares them so but he says well i mean just these people there's so many and they can't even discern between the right and left it could be some that are mentally handicapped it could be some that have that problems like that he said why should i not show compassion on them over a plant and that's the point he's trying to get across to jonah here and i think it's the point that we need to take away today in this but god sometimes god allows situations into our lives and even some hurt into our lives but the purpose is to teach us a spiritual lesson. And in this case, God was trying to get Jonah's attention to say, listen, you're all worked up because something good happened. People's lives are changed. And you're angry and you're bitter towards these people. You're more concerned with the things of your own life. And so I think in our hearts, as we kind of wrap this up i've just kind of walked down through this text and try to draw a little bit of application but i think we got to kind of search our hearts a little bit when do we really care for people it's easy to start to care for things and i drop this ipad right now and it cracks i'm gonna my rest of my day is miserable it's, it's gonna be miserable i was driving on the four-wheeler yesterday and my phone fell off and it hit the ground i thought if that is cracked it's gonna kill everything i just hate cracks on my phone and, but we get so materialistic but does it burden us for people at work, for people in our fam for families, people? And you say, "Well, I don't even know some of these people," and that someone requested, so it really doesn't break my heart. I mean, well, do we have any compassion for people? Because God did, and that's why Jonah was dead right. He said, "God, you're a merciful God." Correct. You're a gracious God. Correct. You're slow to anger. Correct. You're kindness. Great. That's correct. All those things are good, Jonah, but you're not embracing that you and I are supposed to take the character of God and live it out in our lives before other people. And so often we just get so in love with the things of this world. But what, is, what did John tell us? He says that we're not to love this world, neither the things that are in this world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in it. Then he goes on to talk about how this world is going to fade away. And so I hope that in our lives we, we take a strong look and I, I don't think we have any people in jo like Jonah in here. But, but think about this as I close on kind of a light note. If pastor preaches five minutes over today, and somebody comes down an aisle and they're praying a little bit longer than you think they should, and it's drawing out that invitation, and they get saved, have you ever had that? Maybe it's just me, so maybe I'm just speaking to myself. But have you ever had that? You're like, all right, let's go. Now, I've had that when my dad's just rambling at the end, all right? And I've had that now. But I'm talking about there are times when we will hold a preacher to a time slot. 
because we got to get to our life. Well, we, we, we don't, you know, hurry up. Why are you at that altar so long? We just, we need to get this thing moving. Well, hold on a second. Maybe they're dealing with God. Or why are, why are we praying about this? Why are we having this revival meeting? Why are we having this missions conference? And in our hearts, if we don't, if we're not careful, we can become kind of like Jonah. And we miss out on who God is and what God's doing because we're so focused on ourselves. But Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him first deny himself. And Jonah needed to die to self. God tried to teach him that by giving him a gourd and then the next day killing that gourd with a worm. And so I hope if there's some worms in your life that God is using to try to get your attention, that you'll submit to it and not be like the pouting prophet. Let's pray.